I'm here today with Mitali Perkins. Mitali has written many books for young readers, including You Bring the Distant Near, which was nominated for a National Book Award, and Rickshaw Girl, which was adapted into a film. Her books explore crossing different kinds of borders. Her goal is to make readers laugh or cry, preferably both, as long as their hearts are widening. Mitali's most recent book is The Story of Us with Beaming Books. Mitali lives and writes in the San Francisco area, and you can learn more at MitaliPerkins.com. So, Mitali, uh, welcome back. Uh, congratulations on your new book, and uh, it's wonderful to speak with you again. Thank you so much, Brian. It's, it's fun to, to be talking about books with you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I obviously love what all you've done, and so it's, uh, you know, you bring a lot, a lot to this space, so it's uh, much appreciated. <laughs> so um, to get started, is there anything you want to tell folks that they might not know about you? Um, I think I'm the only Metelli Perkins on the entire internet. <laughs> so if you Google me, I'm, you'll find me. There's no one else. And uh, That's nice. Yeah. So I think there's a lot out there. If people are interested, um, I just had, I've been pretty rigorous about keeping myself off Wikipedia because with being the only Vitaly Perkins, there's privacy issues. But a school in Vermont just uploaded a, a Wikipedia page for me. So even there, now you can find me. There's yeah, more Vitaly Perkins than anybody would ever want on the internet. So um, before we start talking about your new book, you know, I'd love for you to touch on, you know, some of the highlights of your previous books because there's, I mean, there's so many that are outstanding. I know that's probably asking you to talk about, you know, who's your favorite child sort of thing. But um, if you could touch on just a few of them, I'd really appreciate that. Sure. Um, I was just trying to, in a nutshell, sum up my so-called brand uh, for my editor. And we were just brainstorming words. And so I think the words that come to mind for me in my writing are words like justice-themed, um, nuanced, uh, hopefully uh, sort of a warm and sweet. And um, that's kind of my goal, to connect the reader's heart to justice issues uh, and also to leave space for the reader to think it through without being heavy-handed with what I think. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my books will raise questions and will present maybe different points of view. For example, I have Between Us and Abuela, which is a Christmas picture book yes. set at the border between San Diego and Tijuana. It's about a family that's separated by this increasingly high fence um, mm. that we that goes all along our California border. And uh, so it's a little girl named Maria, and she wants to be with her grandmother who lives on the other side. She wants to give her a present. The fence only lets you pinky touch, so she has to figure out a way to get the scarf that she knitted to her oh. grandmother. And... Um, and the book explores the idea that if, as we gather together around children especially, there's something about what children create and what children say that can change the hearts of, of adults and can really bring more justice into, a, into a, a, a situation. So in that book, there's a Border Patrol officer that says, nope, you can't go across that fence. Nope. And so it might be easy to sort of vilify that Border Patrol officer, but in the book, I tried to humanize that person by allowing him to confront Maria's art. And, in the, and that unfold, it unfolds from there how her art actually allows them both to step away from rigidity, mm -hmm. at least, at least the, the Border Patrol officer, and lean into love, and for me, Maria to use her creativity and to invite him away from rigidity into love, which I think the 
children do for us. Mm. So that's that's sort of where I would I would say is one example. But most of my books will do that. You won't. I'm writing a book on affordable housing in California. It's a middle grade novel. Right. But that's a tough it, subject. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's, I studied public policy at Cal Berkeley at, at <laughs> graduate school. So I'm a person who likes to really understand opposing viewpoints. Even though I kind of know what I think, uh, I really like to be able to argue the case of both points of view before I will settle into what I believe. And so a lot of my books will have characters who are likable, who are on the other side of an issue, or will bring a flesh out more of the justice-themed issue. So that's kind of where I, I land with my literature. Very cool. Well, no wonder it's in such demand. I mean, uh, you're doing incredibly Thanks, Brian. I don't know. I think people are like, oh, a children's book. Let's write about bunnies hopping in a bed. Let's not talk about a border fence and the fact that families are separated. And let's not talk about that. But oh, well. There's plenty of books about bunnies, right? So we don't need. Not to, not to denigrate bunnies. Maybe my bunnies would be carrying a picket sign or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, good for you for breaking new ground, though, and talking about important subjects and talking about important subjects that children need to learn about too right i mean i think what's complicated though with my all that i create is that it's very hard for a certain side i think it's hard for a person who's rigid whether they're on the right or the left to champion my work mm. because they're gonna, mm -hmm. it's going to make you feel uncomfortable if you're rigid that's my goal always is to push back against rigid, rigidity whether it's on any side of the coin um <laughs> I, I i wrote a book called seeped in stories about children's literature for adults and I looked at the seven virtues, um, traditional uh, traditional virtues as presented by Thomas Aquinas, and the the virtue of love. To my great surprise, I found the best opposite to love for a vice is rigidity. Wow. And so, uh, and I think children sense that <clears throat> we, would, we would do a disservice to our children if we didn't train them to to lean away from rigidity toward love. No matter where they're originating. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so um, let's get to the new book. As I mentioned, the title is "The Story of Us," and it's from Beaming Books. And before we had, we talked about how wonderful it is, you know, that you're doing a book with with Beaming. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that book came about? Yes, I had a friend in California who um, lost their home in a wildfire. Oh boy! And uh, completely devastated, and so. Uh, I was watching them grieve that loss of a family home they lived in for decades. And, you know, in California, we're always, you know, we, there's a, we have a fire season. You park with your car facing out, and you, all of my photo albums are still in my in the go-to bags in the mm. garage because I have, I, I, our boys were little when we didn't have digital photos, so I have my photo albums ready to go. And um, we live in California. Disasters, natural disasters are very much a part of our of our psyche, our collective psyche. You know, we're thinking about wildfires and earthquakes and um, drought. And so I began to think about the elements, the four elements. And they're traditionally, they're four elements both in Greek, ancient Greek culture and ancient Indian culture, which is my culture. Um, so I was thinking about that and um, how they really can be so wonderful for us, right? We can't live without air, water, fire, and earth. But we also can be destroyed by them, and, and we can destroy them. And so I began to think about the broken relationship between the elements and us and how they were designed really to serve us, and we were designed to serve them. 
So um, this disharmony in the relationship, I wrote a poem, Brian, about it, a poem about the elements and, and um, the hope that we still have a restoration of that relationship. And I just put it on Facebook and I, I think, was it my agent? Yeah, my agent said, you know, let's, there could be a picture book that comes out of wow. this. Or somebody, I can't remember if it was the editor or the agent. <laughs> anyway, at the end of the day, she sent it out, my agent sent it out, got some rejections. Um, but then Naomi Kruger of Beaming Books said, you know, I think this is going to work for us. Because it's it's about that care that we are responsible to offer to to the to the created order. We're supposed to care for it. We can't just say, oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket and let's just wait for all of this human history to end. You know, we have a call mm -hmm. to care for it. So so she really loved that. And we worked with I just it basically just it was a poem. I added one stanza. We mm -hmm. found these amazing illustrators, Brian, and you know, I like to leave room for nuance and mystery. Um, so collaborating with an illustrator is amazing because what they bring forth into the story in this book, it's, I, I sometimes, you know, when you look at maybe faith-based books for children, there's not this idea of beauty in the art. It's, it's, it's starting. There are lots of now new books. Yeah. The How to Shells created this beautiful vision of what it was like when creator, hmm created the harmony between us and the elements and then um, how that just disintegrated and and then they drew this amazing art so there's three acts creator redeemer and restorer in the story and redeemer then came and in my poem I was so struck by how when Jesus was on the earth he used the elements he put his hands in the dirt and he made a paste for a blind person's eyes and he you know, he uh, used water to wash his disciples' feet, and then you know he breathed his last bit of air on the cross, and the, and then the scriptures tell us that he made fish on fire for breakfast. So all the elements in a small scale with his beautiful hands and his body um, that he used, and so Redeemer then reconnected us to the elements, and then Restorer, the Spirit comes and also will come again at some point to end this tragic story of human history and restore it all. But in the interim, here we are to care, to love, to restore as much harmony as we can while we wait for everything beautiful to be restored one day. So that's, it's, it's basically theology, deep theology for tykes. I've been calling it <laughs> theology for tykes. Really? I mean, <laughs> so you've got these three divine characters, so to speak, creator, redeemer, and restore. How did you come up with that model? for this you know well the, po the poem that i wrote was a three acts it was it was just r realizing that you know us being in the imago d the image of god we we do those things you know we create we're called to to help people know that god loves them because he, he and show them the love of jesus right that's that's hopefully what we do as the church and then um and yet all of us as human beings are striving to restore restore the brokenness and so chaos, um, I mean, beauty, chaos, and then Jesus in a very small scale comes in, shows us beauty out of chaos, and then, again, we try to bring beauty out of chaos mm -hmm. until one day it's going to be all beauty. So I didn't grow up in the church, Brian, you know that, and I didn't really understand this kind of sweeping story, the biblical story of the story of us. The book is called The Story of Us, The Story of Humanity. 
Um, so I wanted to introduce it to children and leave lots of room for questions because children are, why are there wildfires? Why, if God loves us, then why is there drought and why are people hungry and why, why is there, you know, this horrible climate effects that flooding and things that are going on? And I think children ask, I asked that as a child. That was a big why for me. If there's a God of love, then why all this chaos and suffering? And so this leaves room for a child to ask it. There are not a lot of easy answers, but at least there's an invitation to ask the questions. And I try to present one answer that is a possibility and a, a beginning springboard for the deeper conversation. Hmm. Hmm. So are there any kind of accompanying materials to go along with the book? Like well, either, yeah. you know, discussion <laughs> guides or parents' guides or study guides or you know any of those kinds of things? Um, well, on my website, metalliperkins.com, there's a page for the book, and I've set up some uh, um, discussion questions. I'm on tour right now for the book. It just came out on the 20th, and I've been going into – I did my book launch party last week, and then I'm going to um, Iowa and Colorado and Nashville mm. doing some appearances with children and adults, a mix of people, a mix of creeds and faith. And my favorite audience is just to have – a bunch of different kinds of people. I don't like sort of preaching to the choir. So uh, the book launch party, I developed some questions, some ways to approach the book. Um, and I offer that on my website for parents and grandparents and aunties and uncles who want to introduce this book and just leave room for those big questions in a child's heart. I think we do, again, we do a disservice to children if we just give them these pat answers that here's what it is, let's move on. Look yeah. how much look how much deconstruction that has led to. Yeah. Right? With all this stuff, you know, that was told to us as children or whatever, you know, that oh well, it's really not really exactly that way. Right. And I see I didn't grow up in the church, so I didn't have to deconstruct, but I also I didn't speak any church. I didn't speak the language. So for me it's very fresh. And there I didn't I don't have to deconstruct. So and yet because it's fresh, when I approach it with my faith-based books, I'm trying to bring in fresh language. And for somebody who's an outsider, hopefully, to be able to enter in and say, what? <laughs> what is going on here? What? Like me, because I'd never heard about Jesus until I was 19 years old. Huh. And then I never understood. I didn't read the Bible till I was maybe 21 in college. So I have nothing to deconstruct. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, I still feel like an outsider. I have to construct. I don't have to deconstruct. Well, there's a lot of folks that... Aren't in that situation. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I know. I understand that. I love my, my young friends, and that's why I think I do. I have a lot of young friends who are in that situation, younger generation, or deconstructing. But I think they don't feel threatened by me because oh, no. because I didn't know anything. <laughs> oh, you're a breath of fresh air for well. I just am such an, I'm such an outsider that I I guess my hands aren't stained with the damage that was done to this younger generation. I'm sort of like, I wasn't around. I didn't know anything either. So it gives me a little avenue to, to for them to relate to my stories and be able to present my my deep love for Jesus, which is really amazing um, in, in that it's been sustained as such an outsider because I, you know, for I think they can hear it from me in a way they might not be able to hear it from someone mm. who's raised in the church. That's a really good point. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So the last few pages um, take place when the restorer, quote, unquote, ends the mess. 
so to speak. What does that symbolize? Well, there's two, the the how to shells. I left it open for them to do a, uh, to interpret that. And so, in the, there's four panels in that last part of the story. And I, I don't know you. I won't. I should have had the book and showed you the pictures. But um, the first two panels are about the spirits arriving. You know, with flames, and it's just very vivid of the spirit giving birth to the church. And um, and then there are people who are who are getting baptized in the water and then there's people who are tilling the earth and working so it's definitely in the span of human history the story of human history it's the now and the not yet that's that third part so there's the now where we work with all our might to restore whether it be broken relationships between human beings and god between human beings and each other between ourselves and and uh you know our, our true selves between uh, the earth and humanity, you know, there's this, we do our best to try to make those, to bring beauty out of chaos in all of those areas. And that's why we're here. Otherwise, just, you know, we might as well just go right now. That's the work of our, of our lives in it, whatever arena we're in. So there's, that's the, the now, but the not yet is there's going to be one day when, I don't know if you know the, the poet Gerard Manley Hopkins. Oh, sure. Yeah, but he writes that beautiful poem, um, about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost brooding over the earth, ah, the warm wings, that, that, and then that's, what is the name of that poem, oh my gosh, Gerard Manley Hopkins, what is it, um, anyway, it's about, in one, in one part of it, he says, generations have trod, have trod, have trod, um, and there, there, there's this idea of being the taint of the world that every generation is sort of wearily trotting on, mm. and you feel that, you feel that there's, there's nothing new under the sun. There's people, there's wars and there's hunger and there's people. So, so you feel that trod, that sort of weary trod of humanity through all the generations. But one day that there's going to be an, an, a, an end to that. There'll be an end. The Holy, as Gerard Manley Hopkins puts it, the Holy Ghost is brooding over us, waiting for that time when all will be beautiful and all will be good and true. So there's that not yet part. That when that full restoration comes, mm. um, and so they depict, you know, the uh, the water and the fire are in the first part, and then there's um, the earth fully restored. And that last panel of the book is just so beautiful. There's a little boy reading in a tree. There's a grandpa talking to a grandchild. There's just all this beauty and community in that last panel, and that's kind of what we hope our the end will be. You know, we. If we don't have that hope, then what do we have, right? We just have this endless plod, the plod, the plod. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, like you said, I mean, um, you're broaching some really good subjects that don't often get discussed within Christian literature or children's Christian literature. So that's really good news. Yeah. As I said, theology for tykes. That's the story of us by beaming from beaming books. So if, you know, there was one thing you would point to that you would want either children's or adults to take away from the book, is there one thing that you would suggest? Well, let's see. I think I would let, I would go slowly with the book and let the child's eyes really take in what's happening in the illustrations. I would wait for the child's response like I maybe would slow it down and say, well, what do you like about this page? This, this, the panels that the How to Shelves have created are so stunning. And actually take off the dust jacket of the book because 
they've painted a scene on the inside of the book, the hard, mm. the hardbound cover. That is so beautiful. Mm. And let the child's eyes linger on each panel and say, what do you see? Uh, what does this page make you, how does this page make you feel? Um, what, and just let them have room to mm. breathe with the, the beautiful art. And, uh, and then there's also the How to Shells created this, the signature is this pretty interesting swirl that they put in almost every page. So if a child is little, I would say, let's, let's see where they put the swirl, and that helps the child to turn the page. And then at the end, I always ask, when I have an audience, I say, well, what do you think the swirl means? What do you think the swirl means? And children have the best answers to that. <laughs> I don't know what the swirl means. I just, I just noticed it, that it was on every page. So it's a fun way to get children to kind of come up with a theme of what they see. And it's always surprising to me. Um, yeah, so I'm, I, would, I would hope that there were this room. I'm thinking about space for questions, space to take in the big mysteries. And you'd, you'll be, your children and grandchildren will surprise you mm. with what they see and how they respond to this book. I, I can almost promise you that. Very cool. So... Um, I know you're in the midst of, you know, this book release, um, but looking forward, do you have a particular timeline in which you like to make sure that you have a new book out every so often or you go more with, you know, the flow? <laughs> well, I prefer to have at the most a, a spring and a fall just because I do have to promote a lot. I'm not, you know, a best-selling name household name person so i have to really get on the ground and do 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 due diligence for each book i do believe in my work and i want to stand by it so i have to set aside the time and the energy it takes to try to get the book into the hands and hearts of readers um so that takes time and energy so i think only two a year is about what i can handle when it comes to uh, being faithful in giving each book a chance to reach readers uh, this one was hard, Brian. I was tired after the pandemic, and I mm. it was coming out, and um, and I got it got a terrible review, got a really bad review in a, a trade publication, and really? they didn't get it. They didn't get the ending. They said they just didn't understand it, and I got I understand their confusion. But it was pretty disheartening mm. this review, and I thought, oh gosh, and it made me feel like I wanted to crawl in a cave and just let the book sort of see where it went on its own, just sort of part ways. <laughs> but the How to Shell's art was so stunning. Mm. And my husband, I, I can't, you know, we had one of those late night, you know, conversations that couples have been married a long time tend to have. And I said, I'm just feeling so discouraged about this book. I, I just don't know if people are going to get it. And my husband said, honey, it is a beautiful book. It is a beautiful book. You left room for mystery and nuance. It is something that like, you know, I I love C.S. Lewis. I know there's flaws in his books, but I, I always think of him as Uncle Jack because he helped raise me. And he said, <laughs> I think your Uncle Jack, that's what his nephews and nieces would call him in real life. I think your uncle, my husband said, I think Uncle Jack would be proud of this book. Mm. <laughs> well, that's good. And he said, you know, you really should think about going to bat for it as you have with your other books. So I took a deep breath and I sort of started reaching out to bookstores and I now I have this nice little book tour and um, going to Hutchmoot, which is in Nashville. Oh yeah, yeah, I'll be there this weekend. Good, good. Yeah, well, I know Andrew Peterson really well. Yeah, I'll be presenting there and getting to know this younger generation of artists, which I'm excited. 
because there's not that bifurcation between faith and art that was in my generation, our generation, you know, so so I'm excited to be re refreshed just in their company. And then I'll be going, as I said, to several other places. I'm doing the best I can with this book. Here I am talking to you. And the more I talk about it, the more I love it. I'm falling back in love with my own work. I'm good, like, good. Yeah. So thanks for giving me the chance to do that again. Oh, even sure. I'm, no. Even I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm glad. So glad I wrote this book. Absolutely. I was excited when I heard about it. You yeah, know, it was exciting. Both yeah. you and Beaming as a partnership. I thought, okay, this is great. You know. <laughs> yeah, Beaming is doing some amazing work. And, and St. Broadleaf published my um, Steeped in Stories book, which is a look back at seven childhood's favorites of mine and how they can refresh our souls. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, doing, they're taking some risks. I know they take some risks with me, and I really appreciate that. I think that's – I don't see that a lot in the faith world. And They're doing a great I'm very, job. Yeah, I'm very excited mm -hmm. with what Beaming and Broadleaf are doing. So, um, you know, back to kind of the future. I mean, is there anything you could talk about yet in terms yeah. of the future? Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm in the last bits of edits with a book called Hope in the Valley, which is, as I said, about affordable housing in our Bay Area. But it's really not. It's about a girl named Pandita who doesn't want to grow up. She's 12. She writes poetry. She reads old-fashioned books. And she just doesn't want to be hurried to grow up, which I guess that, you know, and what I did is I included my, I have poems when I was, I wrote when I was 11 and 12. <laughs> so I put that in the book. Oh, great. I, I just like that. I didn't want to grow up. I loved, I loved being a kid. So, uh, so that's funny to story. Hope in the Valley comes out from Macmillan, FSG, July, 2023. Okay. And I have um, a Christmas story called uh, Hol Holy Night. Like, yeah, Holy Night and Little Star. I'm so excited about this book. It's illustrated by Koa Lei, who's a Vietnamese illustrator. She did mm. a book that I did, Bear Tree and Little Wind, an Easter story. Mm. And it's um, it's just, I think she drew Little Star. These illustrators, Brian, I have no artistic talent, so I just go, my jaw just, when I see their uh, their work on my jaw just drops, I'm like, how did I think of that? So she she created this character, Little Star. I mean, I, I created the character in words, but she created the character and embodied this beautiful little star whose soul wants to shine um, just in the small little place on the horizon. And then Maker gathers all the galaxy and says, there's going to be a holy night, and I need mm. you all. I need all of you, Little Star. I need you. I especially need you. And Little Star says, she doesn't want to do anything. She just wants to stay small. <laughs> But Maker has big plans for Little Star on that holy night. So it's a, yeah, I, I think that's going to be fun. That's coming out in December. Or no, sorry, September of next year. So I have those two coming out. Sure. Well, wonderful. Different. Boy, yeah. that's fantastic. We'll be looking forward to those. Thank you, Brian. Thanks so much. Yeah. So, again, the new book is The Story of Us, just out from Beaming Books. Um, you can learn more about it either Beaming Books or MetalliPerkins.com. Oh, I hear it. I have the art. Oh, excellent. It's a beautiful book. It is. And this is the this is the paperback. But as I said, take off the dust jacket for your hardcover and get a special surprise. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I hope the rest of the book launch goes really well. Um, you. Enjoy your book tour and all the discussions. I know are going to be great with uh, all of your followers and kids and everyone else. Thanks so much, Brian. I really appreciate you letting me talk, talk about Thank it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you.